business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. This is the Avion Money Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have two really, really special guests. We have Teresa Michael, who's the CEO, and Tessa Foreman, who's the Chief Operating Officer. And before I tell you where they're from, let me tell you what was said about this organization by Nelson Mandela, the the umbrella organization. After visiting a project in Orange Farm in 1999, President Nelson Mandela said, that he had seen a miracle and offered to become the patron-in-chief of this organization. So obviously we're talking about Africa Tikkun, and here we're speaking more specifically about the Bambanani project, which these two ladies are going to explain to us. Ladies, welcome to Chai FM. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Abby. Absolute pleasure. Explain to us briefly the relationship of um, Africa Tikkun Bambanani and Bamban and Africa Tikkun. Okay, so um, as you know, um, Africa Tikkun has been around for 29 years. So the founders were Bertie Labner and Nelson Mandela. So they they have a cradle to career program that covers children from birth right up until after matric um, skills program um, into the job market. Bambanani, Africa Tukun Bambanani, we specialize in ECD, early childhood development, and that is the birth to six-year-old phase. So we have partnered with Africa Tukun to form the umbrella company Africa Tukun Bambanani. And our main aim is to go into rural parts of South Africa and to take a curriculum, which is an equal uh, equal curric- um, curriculum for these children into the rural areas so that these children also have the opportunity to have curriculum set out by the Department of Education um, and a structured curriculum that we have created for them to follow. Uh, we also mm-hmm. take um, into the centers um, resource kits because these centers have nothing, crayons and puzzles, educational games, clay, so we so we fully equip them with a resource kit, and at the same time we take the, the the practitioners and we upskill train them, because when we look to a classroom, you first look to the practitioner. That is the success of the class. So we train the practitioner in our curriculum so that they can in turn uh, teach the children. Teresa, are we not reinventing the wheel? I know for many people I'm stating the absurdity where if you've been into a rural school, you'll understand that that question holds no validity. But there is an education department in place. There are schools in place. Where does Bambanani come in to add value over what there is already in place? So there is nothing in place. So if you go into these rural schools, there's literally nothing. Um, As I said, no crayons, no equipment, but no curriculum. So 
So the Department of Education does provide a curriculum, which is literally a skeleton and a framework given to teachers to say, this is what you need to do at these various stages of a child's development. Firstly, the the practitioners aren't skilled enough to take that framework and create lesson plans from there. And secondly, the practitioner in the classroom there is so much for her to do. She's the, she's the cleaner. She's the cook. She's the mother. She changes the nappies. She looks after the children. And then there's hardly any time for her to do much more when she's got 60 children to teach. We then have taken the framework and we've created a day-by-day, step-by-step guide for these practitioners to follow. So we have followed the Department of Education, but at the same time, to give these children equal opportunities, we've then taken the IEB curriculum, which is the independent board curriculum of South Africa, and we've put that into the curriculum as well to give that more body so that there's more for the children to learn in the classroom. And then the practitioner is now given a day-by-day guide. She literally knows when to call the children in, how to run the morning ring, when to do the numeracy. Um, we tell her what artwork to do, what stories to read. So she's now got it all on hand. Um, and this has made a huge change in the classroom for these children. Now, Teresa, if you're saying that there was no, or there is nothing there until um, you guys come and add value, what I'd like to ask Tessa Foreman, the Chief Operating Officer, when we come back from the break, is it's all good and well, but how do we get it to hundreds of schools, literally? And um, before we go there, I just want to say that it's very fortuitous that today is Yom HaShoah. Today is the day that as Jews we remember the Holocaust. And it should have turned us into a bitter, begrudging nation or people, but it hasn't. It's given birth to organizations like Africa Tikkun, like Bambanani, where ladies like yourselves are giving, giving of your time to make sure that generations going forward are educated, have the skills to be able to learn, make decisions, make, make informed in, um, um, decisions about their lives, that they have the skills to make sure that the generations coming after us are really that much more rounded and understanding. We also know, unfortunately, from history that it was the most educated amongst the nations that were the most genius when it came to cruelty and um, depravity. Take the Greeks, take the Romans, take the Nazi Germany. And really what it is all about is early child development to make sure that people and young people have the skill and understand that hate is something that is learned and not something that you're born with. And by doing what you ladies are doing is just really, really incredible. I mean, just to really share in the next 30 seconds today, my daughter and I, she came back from the army and we quickly ran to the memorial that we have here in Body Inn for people who have been killed in terror. And we were the only two people there, but there was a young Arab guy mowing the lawn. And she just went over to him and said, would you mind stopping during the siren? And he looked at her without hesitation and said, with pleasure. And he stopped and she could have kept quiet and, you know, thought, yeah, well, he doesn't care. Clearly, he just didn't know. It had nothing to do with caring. He just didn't know what the siren was. And once he was told, he just stopped. And it was a very special moment where, you know, three of us were just quiet for, for those two minutes and just absorbed that time to remember 
the terrible, terrible tragedy that has befallen us as a nation and the incredible growth that has come from it and what we've been able to be a light into the world and to the world as Tikon Ulan means the correction or redirecting our energies to make sure we do it correctly. Craig, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will continue to speak to Teresa Markel and Tessa Foreman. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. It's a great pleasure to let you know that in studio today, we have Teresa Markel, who's the CEO, and Tessa Foreman, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Africa Tikkun Bambanani. Tessa, let me ask you, at the end of the day, working with no power is one thing. Working with maybe a little bit of intermittent water supply is another thing. But working in rural areas where everything is just on the table, lack of security, lack of continuity of supply of, of, of energy, how do you get the equipment out there? Where do you store it? I mean, I remember there was that almost joke where the Department of Education handed out iPads and within a couple of days they were gone. How do you do it so that your every time you come, you can enjoy the pleasure of watching that which you've been delivered really working and and and, and helping kids go forward? So uh, Tikkun has already made partners in the various provinces, and those partners are where we have come into the area. And because they've already developed and built those partnerships, it's made it a lot easier for us to build the relationship with the schools and the principals in the area. And they follow us because they know Africa Tikkun is backing it. So they're very happy to be on board. So when we deliver the the goods, they actually respect the fact that it's Africa Tikkunis in the area and they look after it. So we do deliver a tablet to a school and a resource kit, and most of those schools respect it. And the people within the area know that that's part of Africa Tikkun, and therefore they respect it and look after it. So we're very fortunate in that regard. However, we do have the problems, as you've said, of the of the electricity and the water. But the electricity and the and the Wi-Fi and the data we've rectified because we give them free data. So our app is data free link, and our assessment center, where our whole curriculum is based in, comes back to us with a data free link. So when they are tracking and recording the children's progress, they are sending it through onto this link, which comes to our assessment center, and we are monitoring that on an ongoing basis. So we're monitoring the teachers and the students continuously as well. You know, one thing that we've seen around the world, for example, if we take Japanese schools, they don't hire cleaners. The kids are are, are, are part of their curriculum is to clean. And so you have a society that is really OCD when it comes to cleanliness and hygiene and making sure that things are neat and tidy. And I know that one thing I grew up with in school is you could literally just throw things over your shoulder and there was an army of people to clean up behind you. And maybe we could have grown up thinking that, you know, that's not my responsibility. I don't bend down to pick up paper. Um, but when it comes to this type of school, what do you integrate into the curriculum that is going to give these children the ability to be more rounded individuals rather than just recipients 
of donations going forward? So, um, Avi, we have created a holistic curriculum for the children. So our aim is to develop the the holistic child. So, for example, every day there's a Bible story. So, so the Bible story is also linked to the message of the day. So every Bible story is not just a story. It's there because there is a message. There is something for the children to learn from that. Um, also at the same time, there's an environmental message of the day. So it will be do not litter, bring recycled things to school, do not waste water, do not waste electricity, do not burn down trees, look after trees, etc., etc. So that is a message of the day, which then teaches the children how to preserve the environment and respect the environment. Um, there are also messages on how to respect each other. Uh, gender equality, color equality, religion equality, no matter what it is, to respect everybody for who they are. Because um, one of our centers, for example, um, in Bramfontein, um, over there, there are children from a variety of places. There are refugees, there are children from Somalia, there are children from South Africa, some from Zimbabwe, all speaking different languages, but the children are taught to respect each other. Even though they don't have a common language, somehow or other the children get together, they manage to play together um, and to share special time together. Also, psychosocial support is really important because most of these children don't have parents at home. The parents are living in the cities or in the towns to work um, and then only see children on weekends. Siblings walk the children to school, then go to their high school or their primary school on the way back, fetch the young sibling to take them home. So there's a so there's not a lot of parental um, guidance or intervention as well. So that's why we go to extra care to create all these um, external factors that we bring into the classroom to create this holistic child. Um, and something like story time, these children have never ever heard a story. So we even put stories into the curriculum, stories with the message, stories that relate to the environment that the, that the, the, the practitioner can read to the children. You know, just, as you said that to me, um, I, I just got wind a few months ago that my teaching standard three, which would now, that were now called grade five, I suppose, um, passed away. And I remember very clearly sitting on the floor and she reading to us about young van Riebeke arriving from this little leather storybook that she had. And I was absolutely fascinated. And they, she was talking about Sikui Flay, which is now the Flay in Duesenberg, and how it had hippopotamus in it. And, and I was, you know, I'm remembering this now, what, 43 years later. And it's, it exactly relates that that ignited, I suppose, my upbringing, my passion for wildlife and Africa and, and everything related to that. So that's so important. I just want to clarify, when you talk about Bible stories, that's just because Tikkun Olam has Jewish roots. The Bible stories are not limited to just the Old Testament. Is that across the, the, the New and the Old Testament? Yes, correct. It is. Um, a lot of these children um, out in the um, in the rural areas, um, there is a Christian base. So their centres um, and the um, um, and the churches that they go to, even though they're out in the fields, 
Um, it is Christian based. So the stories do span across the, the Old and the New Testament, but it's not so much the story that we're after because there are many stories in the Bible that are quite frightening for children. Correct. So it's not That's so much the story that we're after. You know, we somehow, you know, sometimes only read parts of it or not all of it. It's the message that the story, um, you know, that the Bible story portrays more so than the actual belief in the story. Okay, let's get into the business side of it. I suppose that's what the show's all about. But why I was so keen to do the interview is because these are the fundamentals. One of the miracles of South Africa, if you look at our professionals today, you look at our top legal minds today, a lot of these people had such underprivileged upbringings that the fact that they are where they are is a miracle in its own and a testament to human spirit as to what a person can achieve. And you are really sort of mitigating the gap between the haves and the have-nots by allowing a child to go into the beginning of their formal education without never having seen anything that counterparts from the more privileged sides would have seen. But all this costs money. It's all nice in theory. How does that happen? How does the whole organization come together? Clearly, the uh, government isn't uh, pouring money at you. So where is it coming from? So Africa Tukun, um, they are our main, our, our main source of funding. So they are our fundraisers. They have very, very generous people in their community, um, and in the corporate world that donate to Africa Tukun every year. And, um, and then they give some of that to us to run our ECD sectors, but we cannot rely only on them. Uh, we also have to go and seek outside funding. So we are, so we are asking corporates, CSI departments at various companies, um, individuals, small business, large business to adopt an ECD center, one or two or more or an entire community, but even one ECD center to make a difference in, because each center will have about 50 children. So if you adopt one ECD center, you are changing the life of 50 children, three or four practitioners, um, and then as a result, the families that um, are joined to this community as well. So that is what yeah. we are asking, and it's 67,000 rand per center, um, and you adopt the center, and that is the once-off fee for that year, uh, and there you you provide curriculum, resources, teacher upskill, um everything that is required to get that center to the level that it needs to be for these children to learn. That's $3,500 roughly. That's it. Um, in the bigger picture of things, it's not money. Um, I just did a ride. Uh, I mean, I do one annually here in Israel for an organization called Gears, which is absolutely phenomenal. And maybe it's something that we can talk about. And their requirement is three and a half thousand dollars. And I just see from the American friends that I have here to raise that type of money is really not a big story for them. For us in RANS, you know, for a project out of South Africa, it starts becoming a little bit difficult. But if you think about it, 67,000 Rand amongst 10 families is really not a lot of money where they can make sure that somewhere where the people who are working in their homes the people are working in their shops and their factories can make sure that their children are getting the very best 
almost equivalent to what they would be getting at the King Davids of, of the world Absolutely. because it's being run by an organization like that. How long has Bambanani been around? How many years have you been operating? So we've only been around Africa Tukun Bambanani for about two years. Um, although both Tess and myself have been in education for over 20 years and in outreach projects. Um, but the, the coming together of these two um, exceptional, um, exciting companies um, is only about two years old. The reason I'm asking is because it's obviously then premature to say, give us examples of lawyers and judges and surgeons that started at Bambanani because that's a little bit early. Don't worry, we'll have that discussion soon. <laughs> there's no, there is absolutely no doubt about it. Um, I mean, maybe just to share with you, um, you know, um, I see that Rabbi Khazdani is, is a patron on your, uh, on Africa Tikkun. He started something called Sakalab many, many years ago with the Torah Academy School and a school or two in Soweto right down to Durban together. And it gets, gives chance for children of privilege and children of not to get together, eat, sleep, ride, see each other's cultures. And my son, uh, my late son did it many, many years ago. And um I then took him and this one other chap from the school from Soweto to the SABC and they did an interview on some kids' program. It was quite cute. And I totally forgot about it. And last year, a few months ago, a family member bumped into this guy. And he remembered clearly that interview. He remembered Psycholive had made such an important impact on his life. Um, and they were just because of the progressive thinking and the strength of character of Rabbi Khazdan to say, this is an idea, and we're going to get it forward. And then you've got the right people who obviously backed him. So we're seeing that result down the, the road. But I'm sure you've had some cute stories that, that you'd like to share with us for the next five minutes of, you know, how you've impacted on communities. Before we share the stories, I just want to say that the program is run onto this online assessment center. So the online assessment center, you can't get to all the places where we are. They are so rural. But the teachers, because of the data-free link, we get the online, We they send us the information. So they are being analyzed, and we analyze and send them reports on a termly basis to see that the children are meeting all their milestones and that the teachers are keeping up to all the um, the program that they need to. So, and also the exciting thing is we're launching our app on Thursday, which is a Bumble Learn app. And we've named it after the founder, Bertie Labner, who um, started Africa Tikkun with uh, Chief Rabbi Harris and and uh, Nelson Mandela. And um, the app is going to be for those children in the communities. And we're going to fundraise to get all those communities, as we said when you opened, getting them those tablets and being able to use technology. Does this mean that parents... I now have the ability to sit with their children and use the app interactively. And all of a sudden, the exhausted mother who comes home from work in a fun, relaxed way can sit with her child or his child and at the same time tacitly learn themselves. Exactly. And the back end of the app goes to our assessment center as well. So we will be able to give feedback on how the child is is being monitored as well. Fantastic. 
ladies, we could we could talk the whole day. Unfortunately, today is just one of those days that uh, being Yomazikaron, I, I have a lot on my plate. Ladies, thank you so much. Everything of the best to you. And um, you. I would really like to be in touch with you going forward. If we can help in any way, um, you know, even if it just means giving youngsters who've never been exposed to Zoom, to radio, to communication, and allowing that to happen, you never know what seed you plant today and what oak tree it's going to be down the line. So all the thank strength you. to you and thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having us. Great. That was Teresa Martos, the CEO, and Tessa Formas, the CEO of Tikkun, Africa Tikkun Bambanani. Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons. Speak to you next week. Have a good day.